scripture here and see uh, a model of thanks from Paul. And I don't do a Thanksgiving message per se every Thanksgiving, but this year is an unusual year. And so as we get ready for Thursday, and as even Blaine mentioned, I think, and Mark Blaine mentioned, you know, plans are different because people aren't meeting in the same way in some cases. And we see all the things that have happened. And we think, maybe how can we be thankful in 2020? With all the crazy things in the world. Well, do you want to leave here encouraged? Okay, good. Uh, you know, it's sometimes been said of me that, and I take it as a compliment, but that I use too much scripture in my sermons. And so I've heard. So others have reported to me that they've heard. That's okay. But what I say is not important. It's God's word you need. It's God's word you need. Not my opinion. Not my poetry, if I had any. Not my worked up passion of speaking. God's word is what you need. And this morning, I wanted to focus on thankfulness. And uh, some of you, you know, we could we could do this Thanksgiving thing if we wanted to, and the congregation could even have done it, but you may do this in your family gatherings where you go around the table and each person says something they're thankful for this year. And if we did that, we would have all kinds of responses. And sometimes the responses are surprising. I was so delighted. A couple of few weeks ago, we did our weekend uh, youth event to see some of the things that these kids were praying for. Uh, we sometimes think, you know, that the kids are going to pray for something, you know, superfluous or fruitless, as we usually say, or something that's not really very important in the grand scheme of things. But actually, these kids, their prayer requests were really important. That God would reveal Himself to them, that their family would come to Christ. That they would know God better. That God would give his direction in their lives through preaching. And I'm sure, like I said, if we all were to say something we're thankful for, we would all come up with something and we would hear quite a variety of responses. But let's be real for a moment and real and acknowledge the fact that very often the things that we're praying for and then the things that we're thankful for are often too small. <clears throat> It isn't that we shouldn't have gratitude for our needs being met, or all blessings, whether they're small or large, but we need to look beyond just today. We need to look beyond just what our immediate wants and desires are, beyond physical or financial blessings, and look to the things that a Christian really ought to be thankful. So today you're going to get a lot of scripture. Why? Because I believe this with all of my heart. If you are a believer, then the word from uh, the God's word that we will hear this morning will encourage your soul. I believe that. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and you attentively listen to what his word says in this morning, your soul will be encouraged. Your attitude will be stirred to a new gratitude. I believe that. 
And if you came in discouraged, wondering what in the world you have to be thankful for this year on Thanksgiving, then I want you to leave with a fresh perspective, a new outlook, a renewed faith in what God will do for you, not just in regards to physical needs, but rather marveling at how he has graciously met your greatest needs. What happens as we look at Paul, he, he wrote 13 books or letters, we, we, we call them books, but they're actually letters that he wrote that we find in the New Testament. And we can look and see the different things that he thanked God for in all of those letters. And as I do that, whenever I read the what you could call the prayers of Paul, uh, there's a few things that happen. Uh, one thing that happens is I realize that I'm too much, much too focused often on the here and now more than the eternal in comparison to how Paul was thinking. As I read Paul's prayers, it challenges me to think for bigger and pray bigger. Bigger than just comfort. Bigger than the challenges I see right in front of me at the moment. And it reminds me of God's gifts. And so, as I mentioned in the New Testament, there's 13 letters that Paul wrote. Some of them were written to churches, some of them were written to individuals. And in every single one of those letters, Paul mentions things that he is thankful for. In most of them, he actually uses the phrase, I thank God, or I constantly thank God, or something to that effect. And there's a couple where it's not in such an explicit way, but more implicit. But we get the idea from Paul that he was always reflecting on the mercy and grace of God especially in regards to God's plan of salvation. Not only Paul was thankful to God for his own salvation, but he was constantly uh, thanking God and praising God and thinking about how God has provided salvation for all who believe. Now, to put some perspective on those expressions of gratitude for Paul, let's take just a moment to remember what his life involved once he started being an evangelist for Christ. He went through constant persecution. He went through physical assaults over and again. He was in prison. He was shipwrecked. He was jailed, so on. And on and on, he had all these difficulties. And he was hated by many people. Can we say, really, that we've had a hard time this day being thankful because we had to wear a mask for warmer. Or because the presidential race is dragging out more than we'd like it to. Or because our regular activities are disrupted by COVID. Is there nothing greater than our current circumstances that warrants our praise and thanks to God? It certainly is. And if Paul were here, and heard some of the complaints that we hear in the church today that we have about our world, what would his response be? So let's take a tour together. We're going to begin with the first letter that Paul uh, had. They're not necessarily in chronological order. This is just the order that the, the Bible has it in. I'll give you a hint. I don't know if some of you do this. That most of the Bible uh, in many sections is sorted out by how long the letters were. So you have the longest down to the shortest. And that's what we see in Romans down to Bible. Scott, I mean. 
Some of you knew that. So anyway, we're going to take a tour through Paul's letters this morning, and I'm going to point out in each one of those letters somewhere in something where he was thankful. The first spot we're going to look at is Romans chapter 1, verse 8. And here's what Paul writes. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So Paul is thankful for the church and he's thankful for evangelists and missionaries, all those who proclaim the gospel. Is this something we can share in gratitude with Paul? Yeah, and how much more so? Because if Paul were glad to see the gospel proclaimed in his world, how much more should we be thankful to see that the gospel is preached even more today? That scripture has been translated and distributed to so many more people that around the world, missionaries and evangelists are using modern technology and innovative ways to bring the gospel to so many places. And so we see the first thankfulness of Paul from Romans 1. He's thankful for you, all the believers that he's writing to, and he's thankful for evangelism. He's thankful for missionary Let's move on to the next book, or the next letter of Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll start at verse 4. Here Paul writes, I give thanks to my God always for you, because the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So here we see Paul being thankful that those he was writing to, in this case the Corinthian church, they, they were being enriched. Uh, teachers like to say they're enriching their students with this knowledge. Paul is thankful that, that his students, that Jesus' students, the church, are being enriched in all speech and knowledge. That is, they are engaged in learning the teachings. And as this works in their hearts, it's manifested in their actual behavior. The way they talk, the way they live, it's reflecting a change that has been wrought in their heart because of faith and because they are attentively working to engage with the teachings. In this way, the testimony about Christ is confirmed among them. He says, you're not lacking any gift. They are an engaged church. Now, as you read through these letters to Paul, particularly to the churches, let's not forget that in every church that he wrote to, that we have letters in the New Testament, there were issues. He wrote about them. He wrote strongly in some cases about the errors that they were having. The Corinthian church was one with issues as well, and Paul addressed many of them. But even in his warnings, and even in his chastisements, 
he still remembers the goodness of God, and he makes sure to point out this goodness, that God has actually been bringing change into the hearts and lives of the redeemed. And so it should be with us. Yes, we must address, address areas, just as Paul did, we do address areas where Christians are lacking, firstly ourselves, and then others we might have the pleasure of being acquainted with, but, but we must not lose sight that even the Christian that has the most need for correction, whoever that might be, we have to remember they've been radically changed through their faith. And even though they might need correction, they might need work, we can thank them, because Paul gives thanks, even to a church he's writing about with some issues. And, and with Paul and his thanks, may we also thank God that our momentary behavior failures are not what our salvation is based upon, but that our Lord Jesus Christ will sustain us to the end. God is faithful. Moving on to the next book. See, you, you actually don't have to work very hard. It goes forward much faster than that. 2 Corinthians, we'll start in chapter 8, and this is just two verses, 16 and 17. It's talking about Titus. We have a letter to Titus later that we'll take a look at. He says, But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you on his own accord. But here Paul is being thankful for a specific individual, Titus. Now we know that other individuals written about by Paul, sometimes it wasn't for the good. You know, I've, I've said it before and I say it again, thank God my name is not written down in scripture for all of history to remember me for something I did wrong. But there are some. But there's also some that are remembered for the good. And Paul is here mentioning this specific person, Titus. He's thankful not that he influenced Titus in his mind, but that God had put into Titus the heart of earnest care that Paul had. Notice that Paul always gives credit to who? Himself? No. God. Now, did Paul play a part in Titus's faith? Of course he did. And Paul knows he played a part in Titus's faith. He's not, he's not doing this kind of faith uh, Humility, you know, like, that we talk about sometimes is this, like, oh, I'm so humble, you know, I, I don't have anything to do with it. Paul knows he had something to do with it. But ultimately, Paul knows that his role in the gospel is simply God's grace. It's all of grace for anyone in ministry, which in a sense is all of us that are faithful believers in Jesus Christ. We're all in ministry in a sense. If we have any part at all in someone coming to faith, or if we have any part at all in someone's faith being built up or encouraged, that is God's mercy and grace. He's given that privilege to us, that we get to have a part in what he is doing. But we must never begin to think that we're accomplishing anything ourselves. God reaches people, and he uses us, but it is his work. And he deserves not only the thanks of each one who is saved, but he deserves the thanks of those who are given the gracious opportunity to have a part in someone else hearing and receiving the gospel. What a pleasure that is, and what a privilege to be given that opportunity. 
just to be a part of what he's doing. All right, next one, Galatians. One more chapter over, Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 14. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Here he doesn't use the word thanks, but the word boast, which is a way of being thankful for something you're boasting about. Now, what is it that Paul is boasting about? Is he boasting that he got a new boat? Or he got a promotion at work? Or his team won the big game? No. Paul boasts in the cross of Jesus Christ. And this is interesting. That Paul says... The world has been crucified to him by the cross. So anything in this world does not hold a candle for Paul compared to his eternal fate. Now, the next section we're going to look at is Ephesians. And this is going to be the longest, and I debated reading the whole thing, but I, you know, I think it's one of the most beautiful passages, not only in the New Testament, but the whole Bible. Not only that, I would argue that this may be one of the most beautiful passages, at least to me, in anything I've ever read. You know, people often ask, you know, others in the church, well, what's your favorite Bible verse? And it's always tough for me. For one thing, it's hard for me to ever take one verse because often that verse might not be attached to its context, and context is what? Okay. So I have trouble picking one verse and saying, this is my very favorite verse. But let me tell you something. If you ask me what my favorite passage was or my favorite section of scripture, it would be Ephesians chapters 1 and 2. It is so beautiful. And the passage, you know, it says it all. So I'm going to read it. And unlike some of the other passages, I'm not going to offer very much further commentary because Paul says it so well. However, I do want to point out that the thanks in this passage doesn't come until verse 16. So I believe everything written from verse 3 all the way down until there is building up to this case of what Paul is saying he's thankful for. Now, in the original Greek, and I know I've said this before, so, so you'll just hear it again, this is the longest sentence in the Bible. In Paul's original Greek, this is one long run-on sentence, and I don't have it right in front of me in the Greek, but I believe from verses 3 all the way to 14 was one sentence. And our translations break it up into many sentences, and that's a good thing. It helps us with grammar and all that. But I've always imagined Paul writing this, either he wrote it or, or he was telling someone else to write it, because uh, he didn't have scribes that, that he often dictated to. But I just picture him reflecting on what God has done and just it comes pouring out. He can't stop himself. And so it's all one big long run-on sentence. And I'm going to read it from verse 3 of Ephesians 1. I want you to listen carefully because in, in one way this is kind of a summary of the whole thing. But if you don't get encouraged by this, I don't know what will, but I hope you are encouraged by this and have something to be thankful for with Paul. As he writes, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, Here's the thanks. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and in revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he put all things under his church and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all things. I find that to be the most beautiful piece of writing I've ever read. And I love my Lord. So Paul has written this summary of the gospel, and he's coupled that with thanks. Thanks for what? You. Those he was writing to, the church, the believers in Ephesus, he was thankful for them. He recognizes God's grace and God's sovereignty and redemptive history and the culmination found in the cross. And he's thankful for really anyone else that God brought into his kingdom, into the church. The next letter is to the Philippian church. What do you prefer, the church at Philippi? 
Philippians chapter 1, 3 to 6. Are you feeling thankful? Thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership with the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So similarly to the Ephesians, Paul's gratitude here is for the people who believe because of your partnership in the gospel. He is thankful to be a part of it without, with all the other believers. Notice how little Paul talks about faith in, this, in a personal sense. You know, you hear this a lot today. You know, faith is personal. I don't proselytize. You hear someone say something. I don't proselytize. It's personal. Keep it to yourself and you'll be liked better. You've been told that about your faith? What the world tells you, hey, keep that to yourself. For you, faith is personal. Paul never saw faith as personal. But he saw it as something that's lived out in community. Now, each person does need their own personal faith, yes. But the living out of faith is in community. Paul is thankful for every person who is part of that community including the ones that he has to chastise a little bit in his letters. He's still thankful for them. Another book over Colossians. You see, you notice how they're getting short of the books? Colossians 1, 3 to 5. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So again, Paul's thankful for the people. He's thankful for their faith. He's also thankful for the love that they have for other believers. This love is linked to the hope that they have laid up in heaven. You should remember that. We're going to get into that a little bit more. Paul links love to hope. Paul links love to hope. Okay? Because the hope laid up for you in heaven, that love is there. Next, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, and 3. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope that the Lord Jesus Christ. Your work of faith labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. Work of faith, what is that? They imitated Paul and the apostles. That's scripture divine scripture, right? What did he mean by work of faith? He said right there. They imitated Paul and the apostles. And then the labor of love, what does that mean? They became an example to all the believers in Macedonia. Steadfastness of hope. They wait for his son from heaven to deliver us from the wrath Come. Have you noticed things that Paul has not said he's thankful for? He hasn't said he's thankful that the church can afford air conditioning. He hasn't said I'm thankful that you were able to pay the parking lot. He hasn't said I'm thankful that you have some musicians there. That's nice. He isn't thankful that, wow, you guys are really good in cosmopolitan. You have a coffee shop in your square. 
Now, it's not to say that no one should do those things or be thankful for those things, but when he thinks about what he's going to spend his ink on, he's not thinking about those things. He wasn't thankful that the world wasn't defended by the church. Did you know that? If the church is being loved by the world, sometimes, very often, that means they're doing something wrong. And a lot of Christians seem to think that if we were doing everything right, then the world would love us. It's the exact opposite of what Scripture teaches. No, Paul's not thankful for any of those things. Paul has his mind on much bigger things. And that's our challenge for this morning, to see what we're being thankful for. Is it little things that just make us more comfortable in life? Now, I mentioned a moment ago that he, he connected love and hope. Now you see three things here, faith, love, and hope. Have you ever seen those together before? Maybe if I switch the order, you'll recognize them. Faith, hope, and love. 13. The greatest of these is? The greatest of these is? Love. 2 Thessalonians 1 3 is our next one. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is decreasing. Decreasing. Love for you and one another is increasing. Because your faith is growing abundantly and the love for one another is increasing. This is not a church where people are starting to question where God is in world affairs. This isn't a church where they're full of strife. It's interesting how fluidly Paul's practice, practical theology flows through all of his letters. It all fits together. He's concerned about how the word is impacting people in their actions, but not with a temporal view, that is a view focused on the here and now, but on this much bigger view. And it seems like, again, he's linked here, faith and love. I wonder if he'll do that anywhere else. That's helpful to that. Next, 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 14. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So here he's thankful for strength, not produced on his own, but given by Christ. He was judged faithful. If we are faithful, we shouldn't expect God to thank us for our faithfulness, but rather we should thank him for our faithfulness. Did you hear that? If we're faithful, we shouldn't expect God to be, if we're faithful, we shouldn't expect God to be thanking us for our faithfulness, but rather we should be thanking him for our faithfulness. Realizing his gift working through us. Paul again realizes that the ministry he has is all of grace, all of grace, all of grace. The grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love. See those two linked together? The faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 1 3 to 5 was our next one. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night and day. 
As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So here he's thankful for Timothy. He's thankful for Timothy's sincere faith. He longs to see him. Shows how much love he has for him. And he's reminded of another way how people come to faith. Some people come to faith, it was never in their family, and they came out of their family and somehow encountered the gospel. But another way people come to faith is through their family ties and, and the faith of their family. And, and so he's being thankful for that. Titus, next book over, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. So he's thankful again for salvation and redemption that trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And finally, Paul's shortest letter to Philemon, verses 4 to 6. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So now he's thankful for Philemon, another individual. So, so Paul's written, he's thankful for broadly the church, broadly the individuals in the church. Um, he's also specifically thankful for certain people. And he's thankful now for Philemon. Right. Maybe we'll take the wheel later. I'm freezing up. <laughs> okay. uh, but he's thankful for Philemon and his love and faith. Oh. Remember my foreshadowing? Love and faith. See how many times Paul links love and hope and faith? Again and again and again. It's almost like we're supposed to take something. Because if we have true faith, our love will be manifested to others with the truth. And if we have hope, we'll have love for each other as well. They all work together. And these are the things that Paul is I don't know about you, but whenever I read through these types of things from Paul's letters, as I said earlier, I'm challenged. I think one of my, sometimes one of my friends. Do I spend too much time praying for little things that might make me more comfortable or happy? Or am I praying for the eternal things that Paul is concerned And I think we can all challenge that. And as we look at this week of Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving Day, and we wonder what we have to be thankful for, I hope you leave here thinking of something that you can take to that table that you're thankful because your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has provided for you all that you need. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word through Paul's letters this morning. 
in order to look at the things that he is thankful for. May you challenge each of us in our own lives to be even more thankful to you for all the good that you do for us. And Lord, it isn't that we shouldn't be thankful for smaller things as well. But Lord, it's priorities. I ask that you help us to keep our priorities on you. Keep our focus on you. Remember that you are ahead of all things in the church. And may we worship you. And help us to do it well. Help us to be faithful that we would be able to thank you. All right, if you'd stand with us in closing, we are going to sing him 486.